Hi, Graham. Hello, Linda. How are you? Hi, thank you. Sorry, it took me a bit to get in. <laughs> That's fine. No, it's not a problem. It's okay. It's uh, it's a new thing for me. I'm just I'm just getting used to all this myself as well. So hopefully, uh, I can hear you loud and clear anyway. So that's great. Um, Fantastic. So yeah, we're just recording this, and then I'll um, I'll put it out live in a couple of days. I'll put it out in a couple of days for people to listen to. So uh, I'm very I'm very glad to welcome Linda Sage uh, to the Art Safe Decisions podcast today. And um, Linda is somebody that I've only recently met, and we I don't know the if we've ever actually physically met, but we have we have met in this new online world, haven't we? We have uh, a virtual world. The virtual world in which we now seem to temporarily live. So, um, Linda, would you be so good as to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you get up to? Oh, I get up to all sorts of things. So. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be honest, since the 25th of March until today, it's been the longest I've been out of prison for at least three years. Wow. Oh, it's it's not because they keep me and they do let me out in the evening. But my background well, is criminal, criminal psychology and mm. uh, I do a lot of work now with um, healthcare uh, professionals, volunteers and home-based caregivers uh, to avoid burnout. Because right. I had my big burnout in 2005, very little mm. support, and it took me a good six years to actually find my way through the road of recovery and climb a few Everests along the way. And mm. uh, now I try and help people prevent going down that road because it really is preventable. Well, could you, could you give us a little bit of an insight, Linda, into what, into, you know, into what that's like when you do burn out? The, the thing is you are living in a really comfortable land called denial. Because okay. everybody will say to you, you know, are you okay? You know, can you deal with this? And yes, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm superhuman. I can do it. Mm. But inside, it's, it, the problem is it doesn't happen overnight. It's insidious. It, it yeah. drips away like rust, rotting pipes. And what you're doing is you are going inside yourself. So you isolate yourself, even from people you really like. Uh, your eating habits change. I mean, I put on a huge amount of weight and didn't even see it. Um, wow. You uh, end up, your emotions are much more full up and down, mm. angry much easier, get to tears much easier, you feel guilty, you feel anxious, you feel angry a lot of the time, you feel overvalued. Mm. And in the end, you build this co cocoon that. It's like a wall. You know, it, it's keeping yeah. everything out, but it's keeping you inside as well. And trying to break that down is a long road. Well, so what was the what was the thing that kind of made you stop in in your tracks and and change the way you were going? My explosion day came on the twenty eighth of September two thousand and five. Wow. Um, if you'd asked me at the time, I would not have said that I was running away to Spain, but in fact I was. But mm. I moved back to Spain and to what I had thought was my, my dream home. We had a private pool and a lovely piece of land. And the day we moved in, my daughter took some photographs of me. And I was yeah. laid by the pool, which was very unusual for me. And she took these photos and she came to me later, so proud of these photos. You know, 
this is our new home. And mm. I was so angry. Who was this whale that was laid there? Who was this person? Mm. And still it took me 10 days to realise that I was angry with me and not with her. But I couldn't deny it any longer. And everything was shattered. How could I have let that happen to me? How could I have treated myself so badly? Then reality started coming. I was caring for two elderly parents. My daughter's got specific learning difficulties. We've had, and, and with all the uh, work that I was doing, it's not easy to leave, you know, Fred and Rose West and Moira Hindley at the gate when you walk in in the evening. So it mm. accumulated over a lot of time. But that was my starting point. You have to hit rock bottom and yeah. accept it. You have to own it before you can start coming back because all the while you're living in this denial world, you're not on the road mm. to recovery. Well, yeah, so how, So I guess at that point you made some sort of heart-shaped decision then, did you? I was very fortunate in the respect that um, I had some people around me that had been trying to help me, but I wouldn't allow them to help me. And right. one of them was, um, she'd been trying to talk me in to go into a gym and I'd never been in a gym in my life and there was no way mm. I wanted to go to the gym looking and feeling like I did but we ended yeah. up with a personal trainer and I went with her now the first few sessions I looked like a dead person walking coming out mm. but it started to make me uh, realize I could feel better I could look better I uh, my yeah. attitude started to change and bit by bit it it takes each little step makes a difference. And that really mm. was my, my big turning point. But it, it's still, it's like being an addict. You still have to work at it. Because for me, even now, it's very easy for me to, to close in. I have to yeah. work at going out and making contact and doing the social things and being there. I'll never be the clown at the party on the table because you know, it doesn't mm. come easy to me. But it is about making that, that, that decision that, yes, I want to be part of what's going on. So are you a natural, a natural introvert then, Linda, would you say? I, I, I wasn't when I was younger, but, right. the, but the burnout causes you to be this. You're, you're much more introspective. You're, you're much happier you're being disconnected. Because you don't have to deal with so many emotions because your emotions and your feelings get muted because they numb down. Yes. Then you don't have to keep dealing with everything, all the pain and the hurt. You know, mm. If you're working in trauma and you're dealing this on this on a daily basis, you know, yeah. sudden, you know, a, a broken arm isn't so bad when you compare it to you know, something different, you know, something with cancer. So you you get this black humour that is a coping strategy. So it's really yeah. about, yeah, actually, that, that's not acceptable either. So really getting back and getting some feelings. Yeah, your feelings are the ones that you have to turn back on. Mm. That's really interesting. It's a really interesting way of describing it. I think I've, I've always managed to get to the point, I've never got to the point where I've burnt out. I've always managed to pull myself away from those situations, I think. I think I've been quite fortunate because, um, yeah, I mean, I've been in situations where I've been really unhappy and I've managed to extricate myself 
Well, before I've burnt out, just to, just about, I think. Um, so yeah, it's really really interesting. But then it's it's a really um, the field the field that you work in is is a very demanding field. I would imagine criminal psychology is something that um, takes a lot out of you. I would think. Yes, and it, it's 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 just something that you end up you know getting able to compartmentalize your life. That part of your life is this, and part of your life is that. And you don't necessarily link between the two because you can't. You can't come home and talk about it. You can't go into work and talk about your life at home because they're getting intel on you all the time, which could be dangerous. Yes. So you do get to the stage where you're very good at compartmentalizing. And uh, then that, that's quite dangerous because you're a different person in each, mm. each com uh, compartment. Yes. So it, yeah, I can under, I can understand that. So you can't you can't be the person at home that you are at work, and you can't be the person at, at work that you are at home. No, and and when you so it's almost like and when when you're on your own, you literally just want to be on your own. When you know, I got to the mm -hmm. stage where you know, if a, a next door neighbour came and knocked, I would be not annoyed, but you know, just disgruntled about it. What? Why are they knocking on the door? And it was quite nice, yeah. you know. They'd made a cake and decided they wanted to share it. But for me, mm. it was that, that that intrusion. You know, this, this is my my sanctuary. Why why are you disturbing me? Yes, yeah. Oh, I can understand that. I can, you know, I I am um, because I, I work with people under normal circumstances. I'm probably out of the house two or three days a week working with people. And I have, you know, I have done in the past as many as sort of five days training back to back with different groups of people. And um, I got to Friday night. I just wanted to go home and be on my own. I wouldn't even answer the phone, you know. Yeah. I just needed to sort of re recharge my batteries and just be on my own. So I can completely understand where you're coming from on that. Um, I'm, a, I'm a strange mixture between an introvert and an extrovert. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not sure where one starts and the other one finishes. <laughs> I, I think all of us in that respect, especially when you do public speaking. You know, I feel quite at yes. home on a stage and I've spoken in some big arenas and in front of big audiences mm. and things like this. And, and it really does not faze me. So it's not, I don't think it's about being introvert and extrovert. Again, I think it's about that compartmentalising. Yes. I, I can be on stage in front of hundreds, thousands of people and it's absolutely fine. If I'm in a room... Mm for uh, a party or networking, I'm still having to make myself physically go and make those connections. It doesn't come easy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I don't find um, networking meetings as easy as I used to for some reason. Um, I, tend to, I tend to try and speak to maybe one or two people in some depth rather than trying to get around and speak to everybody. Yeah, I, th I think it's important that we put the, the value on the, the connections. And I'm, I'm much more on this, especially now with social media, because you can be inundated in it. So I do have sort of specific areas that I look at. My LinkedIn particularly is very, very focused. Um, so I mm. think it's, again, about making these choices because a lot of people, especially when they come into entrepreneurship, uh, open up a whole new world that they've never been in and they try and be everything to everybody. Yes. Yeah. 
you know, you and you have to have focus. You have to focus on on the people that that you want to do business with and the people that are on the same wavelength as you. And, and I think you know that that was another heartfelt decision because I've been employed all of my adult working life basic by um, government or by institutions, yeah. hospitals and prisons and things like this. Um, I was actually mm. out in the Middle East. So I went from there from Spain to the Middle East. And I was out there six and a half years. And I made that yeah. decision that if I wanted to do my business, it had to be now because otherwise I would never have done it. So that yeah. was a big decision for me because not only did I give up a very stable job, uh, I moved to mm. an area to Leeds that I'd never lived in before. Uh, I started mm. a business and I came back to the UK. So I knew nobody, knew nothing about what I was going to be doing. Yeah. And just completely started afresh. And as you say, as you get older, it's not always the, the easiest ways of doing something. But again, it's probably been part of my, my life because I've actually moved house 42 times. Yes, I remember you telling me that before. That's amazing. So, that means... each, each, each one, I mean, and that one it was a big turning point. And we talk about pivots at the moment, but this pivot point were, was heart, soul, and everything because it was a complete changer. I, I wrote the book, I came back, I, I had to, my, everything from Spain. The house in Spain had been sold. I wasn't there when it was sold, so I had no idea what was in storage. So it literally took me months. Yes to go through each individual box and there was papers there from my mum, my dad, my husband, you know, my daughters, mine. So it was very emotional to actually do that as well. Yeah. Wow. Now tell us a little bit about what life was like in the Middle East for you. Uh, well, I originally went for a 12-week contract. Uh, I was doing some work in Spain for a university in India. Um, about policies, procedures, and putting in things like this. And he said, oh, we had a friend in Saudi. Would I be interested in speaking to him? Said, yeah, okay, I'll speak to him. And uh, this was about a, a university go in a hospital, so a, um, a teaching hospital in Riyadh. And uh, mm-hmm. so they said, oh, yeah, would you be interested in a 12-week contract? They, he spoke very poor English. So to be honest, I was like, okay. 12 weeks whatever it is I can I can do it if not I can always come back yeah. so I sort of went with a very cavalier attitude that was oh well let's go let's go see sort of thing uh I ended mm. up staying six and a half years <laughs> so wow life is there is what you make it uh you could have an argument every single day if you wanted to because yeah. the mindset the attitude is completely different but you know going with the idea, if, if it's something that it really is important to you, then you argue about it. Other than that, being foreign, being a female, uh, being on your own, you really are not very high ranking in, in anything. So yeah. your, your the colour of your skin and your passport really denotes the value. So, yeah, yeah. changing their attitude, because I did, I mean, I was lucky in the respect I was working with people that were uh, either medical students or people that are uh, qualified doctors and nurses, and they wanted to go to a Western University to do um, specialist uh, subjects and things like this, or masters or whatever. Yeah. But the mindset was, yeah, what was crazy. Yeah, no, no work ethic. 
at all. Oh, really? But, but on the other hand, the expats that I met were just absolutely fabulous. I've, I've got mm. wonderful friends from my time in, in, in Saudi, and I did a lot of work in the, the hospitals in Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Bahrain as well. So the quality of expats that were there, I met some really, really good friends. The mentality okay. of Arabs is completely different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we won't. We won't go any further down down that road. No, it, it, it is. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've met some lovely people in Saudi, um, but very few of uh, friend any, any sort of friendships were actually with Saudis because it's very difficult for them yeah. to you know go across the cultural bridge really yeah yeah i can imagine yeah so what are you what are you focusing on these days then Linda? i'm focusing very much well like everybody basically online uh unfortunately i i mean i've been doing uh youtube and uh online tutorials and one-to-one and group trainings online for a long time um yes. so that hasn't been anything new it's just developed into more really um, a lot of my clients yeah. that I have when I come back, because I do a lot of work within hospitals, uh, companies like Bernardo's and uh, mm. care homes and things like this. And the ones that I do in person, I now I'm providing uh, sessions for them online. So their staff, yeah, Zoom is just wonderful for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, I was using this before, but it's, it's really developed now. Um, I'm looking forward to being able to get back to actually because I, I like the personal appearances. I like being out there and doing the doing the stage yeah. work. But uh, yeah, be, being at home, I mean, you can you know we can get how many more meetings done in a day because we don't have to travel anywhere to go to the meetings. So it does cut down yeah. a lot on that respect. But uh, mm. I think also the quality now is getting better because we're getting better at what we're doing online. Yes, yeah, I'm certainly. I'm still on that journey. I'm still adapting my stuff for online, but I am very much thinking about doing much more of that in the future. I think it is, you know, the amount of travelling that um, people that do what you and I do generally have found acceptable is probably not going to be possible. Um, certainly in the short term, and maybe even in the long term. Um, you know, I'm looking at. I used to put sort of 20 or 30 pounds of petrol in my car every week. I think I've put that in in the last six weeks. Yeah, yeah. well, to be honest, I feel, filled up just before we came into this. So I think about the 23rd of March, and I haven't put any petrol in at all. So, mm. Yeah, I just yeah, I just drive to the shop once a week at the minute. <laughs> well, I do. I, t- I do actually take a neighbour because I've got an elderly neighbour, a couple. Um, mm. And so I take him once a week because he can't get the deliveries done, just some heavy things. Yes. Yeah. He does walk out during mm. the week because that's his break because his wife started with Alzheimer's. As his, so that's his break. Oh, dear. Whereas right. I take them to mm. get all the heavy stuff that he couldn't carry on his own. But mm. I think yeah, th- this is it's been a good change. I think it's also made a lot of, I mean, this weekend was the first time ever I can remember I went out for a walk. I didn't wear my watch, and I literally now I haven't got a watch well, on, and I don't remember mm-hmm. in my adult life not wearing a watch. So, 
Yeah, because you're always like a slave to the time, aren't you? You feel you've got to do this. Yeah, it's actually quite quite nice sometimes. Yeah, yesterday afternoon, for example, I'd done a, I'd done some some work, and I thought, you know, what well, I actually spent the afternoon reading a book. And I'm uh, the book I'm reading at the minute is uh, Terry Waite's book about when he was a he was a prisoner in uh, in Beirut. Yeah, I've met Terry. Yeah, I've met Terry. Yeah, Have you? great man. Yeah, no, he's somebody I've he's somebody I've always admired, and uh, I was I was looking yeah looking for some kind of inspiration about you know how to cope with how to cope with isolation. Um, although obviously I'm not I'm not chained up in a cell, but um, and I thought oh I wonder I wonder if um, he must have written his his autobiography, and sure enough he has, and so I downloaded it onto my Kindle about two weeks ago, and it's really really interesting. He comes across as an amazing yes. man. Yeah. From the time I met him, he, he, he very charismatic as well. The way he spoke to people, he felt he's one of these magic ones like Jim Rowan. You could be in a multitude of people, but he was actually just speaking to you. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I remember seeing him on King's Cross Station a couple of times. Terry, wait, he's, he's a very tall man. You can't yeah. miss him, can you? He's about six foot seven, I think. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, he has. He has kind of a. He has kind of an air about him that, um, yeah, I know, like a, he's got chari- uh, charisma is the yes, word, isn't yes. it, I think? Yeah, yeah he, he, he draws people to him, I think. Yeah, so very much he's, yeah, I would very, I mean, somebody I'd be very much like to meet, I think he's probably in his 80s now, I would imagine, but, um, but yeah, he's certainly somebody that, you know, I would actually recommend anybody that's uh, struggling with this isolation business to actually, you know, get get hold of that book and read it if you can, because it actually brings home, you know, we I can go out for a walk for an hour every day. He couldn't do that. Yeah. I can go. To, I can go to the shop every week. You know, he he was literally blindfolded most of the time and chained most of the time for a very very long time. So, yeah. Anyway. Definitely a different environment to ours. Hmm. So if, if Linda, if, if people would like to get in, in contact with you to have a chat or anything, what's the best what's the best way of contact? Uh, I'm you? on all social all social media, but obviously the website that that's just my name. So just www.lindasage with an I dot com, and it's got a contact page on there or on LinkedIn, um, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, but they're all under my name. So nice and easy. Brilliant. Brilliant, lovely. Well, thank you very much for, share, for spending some time with us today. Thank you for um, inviting me. And I, I, I very much hope we'll actually meet up at some point, probably a, a professional speaking association meeting in the future, either either in in reality or virtually. And um, enjoy, please enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you very much. Thank for you, being Graham, with and us. thank you for all the good work you're doing. Really appreciate it. Oh, bless you. Thank, thank you very much thank and you. take Bye-bye. care. Bye. Bye. Bye.